in our Christmas series, last week we talked about the lights of Christmas. The lights of Christmas. And guess what? You are to be a light of Christmas. Amen? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to his followers, you are the light of the world. So we are to be the light of Christmas because Jesus dwells within us. Today I want to talk to you about the people of Christmas. The people of Christmas. Now when we think about uh, the people of Christmas, normally we think about, what, Joseph, Mary, the baby Jesus, the wise men, the shepherds. But there's much more to the Christmas story than just those figures. The word Christmas comes from Christ Mass. That's where it originates from. It was a mass, a service, to celebrate the coming of of Christ. To celebrate His birth. God with us. Emmanuel. And when we think about Christmas, we probably don't think about the genealogy of Jesus. Most of the time when we're going to start the Christmas story in Matthew, we we go to chapter 1 and we turn to verse 18. And we start around verse 18. Now if you want to read the entirety of the Christmas story to your family this Christmas, you can read chapter 1 and 2 of Matthew and you can read chapter 1 and 2 of Luke. And you will have read the entire Christmas story. But when, when we start today, we're not going to start with verse 18 because there's a powerful truth that so stirs my heart. And I, I pray that it would stir your heart today. The Christmas story doesn't begin in verse 18 of Matthew. It begins in verse 1 of Matthew 1. Because all of these people are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. God is associating them with His Son. He is associating them with the Christmas story. And and, and it means far more than just the historical significance. Yes, it does tell us that the story of Jesus' birth is historical. That He is linked to historical figures. People who lived real lives, who went through difficult things and suffered and, and had problems and had failures and they weren't perfect. And Jesus, listen to this, Jesus is not ashamed to be associated with people that aren't perfect. Amen? And I love that about the people of Christmas. Why? Because I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The people of Christmas are not perfect, but the people of Christmas have been impacted by the coming of Jesus Christ. And we're not the same anymore. We come to Him with our failures, with our disappointments, with our struggles, with all the circumstances of life, and Jesus is the answer to everyone. Amen? So I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 today. And let's, let's let the, this genealogy... Now, how many have ever come to the genealogy and you, you started in reading the names? They're difficult to read. 
it gets kind of boring, so you just skip over it. Come on, be honest. I pray that after today, you're never going to want to skip over it again. Because it's such a powerful truth that God sent His Son for people like us. That He's not ashamed to call you family. He's not ashamed to take us in all of our shortcomings and our failure and our sin and to cleanse us and transform us and to bring us into His family and call us His brethren. Aren't you thankful for that? So let's go through this list this morning. Beginning with verse 1 with me. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. That's a a reference to Bathsheba. Solomon begot Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa, and Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham, and Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, and Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to to Babylon, Jeconiah, son of Shealtiel, Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud, and Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, and Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar, and Eleazar begot Matin, and Matin begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity of Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. This verse 17 is talking about a Hebrew uh, way of remembering. They, they left out a few uh, in the lineage here and there so that it would be exactly 14 so that they could keep track of it. Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he, th- he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son... And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Now think about that. All those lists of names. Every one of those people, and thank you Jesus, I went through it and was able to pronounce those crazy names. All of those names represent real people that lived real lives. Many of them were failures. They were all sinners, but some of them were miserable. Have you ever looked in your own personal genealogy? I know several people that have done that. And they'll research and they'll, sometimes they'll find great historic figures that they're related to distantly in the past. But every once in a while, somebody will tell me, well, I, I was searching my genealogy and guess what? Way back there, one of my great uncles, was he was a horse thief and they hung him. You know, people they don't really want to associate with. You know what I'm talking about. Well, think about it. God didn't have to place the genealogy in Scripture. And yes, it does tie Jesus' birth historically, and we see Him in the reality that He was God who became flesh. But more than that, it tells us something of the heart of God for us. And I pray that every one of us would, would be able to grasp this truth today. It talks about Abraham. And Abraham, about 2,000 years before Jesus' birth. It, and it talks about the human dilemmas and our challenges and our failures. But it talks about people that had great victory and people that had great deliverance from God. And all of them are a picture of God's grace. So first of all, these people were impacted by human failure, but all of them were identified with Jesus. I love that about God. And when you celebrate Christmas this year, I pray that you would remember that. I love the pageantry of Christmas. You know, next week the kids are going to come and they're going to sing for us and dress up and they're going to look so cute and it's some of the pageantry of Christmas. And I love all that. I love the, the three kings coming in and the shepherds and the manger scene with Mary and Joseph. And I love all the de decorations and all these trappings of Christmas. But I love the heart of God that's revealed to us in this passage of Scripture. That he says, in all your failure, in all your circumstances of life, I'm not ashamed to be associated with you. I welcome you to come and to receive Christ that you can be a part of the family of God. Isn't that a wonderful message, church? Because we're all failures in some way. We've all fallen short. In fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 tells us that. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. Some of us maybe try our best to be good people, and I hope that we do. 
Even those that don't know Christ, sometimes you'll encounter them and, and they'll, they'll think, well, I don't need religion, I don't need Jesus because I'm a good person. I try my best to do good things and to treat people right. But church, that doesn't deal with the sin that all of us have. You can strive to do good things and the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. So nothing we can do will make us where we can earn a relationship with God. So Jesus had to do it. Jesus did it for us. God makes it clear that He's not ashamed to be associated with people like us. Aren't you thankful for that? In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11, it says, He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call you family. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your failures are, what sins you've committed. In fact, we're going to see some people in just a moment in this passage that failed miserably. But God still associates them with His Son. In Genesis chapter 20, it's talking about Abraham. We think of Abraham as being the father of faith. The Bible teaches us that. He's a prototype. He's an example for us of someone who lives by faith. And we, we celebrate Abraham. But Abraham was far from perfect. In fact, in Genesis chapter 20 verse 2, he encounters a king, and this king is inquisitive about Sarah, his wife. She was beautiful, the Bible says. And so the king wanted to take her to be part of his harem. And so what does Abraham do? It says, now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. He threw his wife under the bus. Men, there's hope for us. We're not perfect husbands. He, didn't, he was a man that lacked integrity in his life. He didn't trust God at this time. And it doesn't matter how, how, how many times you've failed, God is still greater than all our sin. Amen? So when we look at Abraham, it encourages me because he had a lack of integrity, even though most of us as Christians, we strive to be in, integrous and we, we strive to do what's right and we have good morals and, and we strive to live that way. But we're not perfect. And Abraham wasn't perfect. In the third person in the list of family members, we come to Jacob. Jacob is known as being deceitful towards his brother Esau. He was deceptive. How many of us have been deceptive at one time or another? How many of us in business have thought that the only way we can get ahead is to be deceptive in our practices? And let me encourage you, church. That's not how God wants us to operate. But God in this passage is saying, it doesn't matter if you've been deceptive, if you've been cunning and you've been a cheat or whatever. Guess what? Jesus came and he wants to associate with you. He wants to deliver you and save you and set you free from your sin. Aren't you thankful for that? 
And next, it also talks about Perez and Zerah. They were born of incest. Aren't you thankful that God is greater than our family background? We can't control our family background. Amen? We can't control what our parents did or didn't do or how they lived their lives. But we know that God will elevate us and lift us up. And we, He's not ashamed to be associated with us. And He welcomes us to shine for Him. To be the light of Christmas for Him. It also talks about Tamar. Now this is very interesting, church. Tamar is one of five women that are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. And that was not done in this day. The society was male-focused. They didn't consider women as equals. But God places five women, and four of them were Gentiles... Four of them had great failures. And God still says, those are my kind of people. I welcome them to come into my family even though they failed. Aren't you thankful for that? We struggle so much with being unworthy. The devil uses that and he condemns us. Condemnation is not from God. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And we need to make sure that we don't let the enemy come against us and deceive us and lie to us where that we think, I'm not worthy for God to use me. I'm not worthy for God to welcome me into His family. Years ago, I was, I was working in the jail. And I, I had a pod of men, and I was talking to them. And one of the men came up, and I, was, I, was, I knew God was really dealing with his heart. And I began to share Jesus with him. And, and he, he looked at me, and he says, but you don't know what I've done. God can never forgive me. He was a leader of a gang there in Fort Worth. He, he was a big, strong, husky guy. And he, he said, you name it, and I've done it. He said, there's nothing I haven't done. And I kept telling him, Jesus loved him. Jesus came for people like him. People that had failed. People that weren't perfect. And I said, God is greater than all your sin. And I prayed with him, and I led him to Jesus, and he prayed with tears coming down his cheeks. And he accepted Jesus. Don't let the enemy lie and tell you that you're not worthy. God says you're worthy. He sent his son. He sent his son for us. And he says, you're the kind of people I want in my family. Aren't you thankful for that? On the, on the, on the five ladies again, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, 
There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful? You know, so many religions in the world today uh, treat women as second-class citizens. God's Word doesn't. I'm going to say that again. God's Word doesn't treat women as second-class citizens. God lifts them up. He lifts them out. Even in a culture where, where they are considered property or second class, God will lift them up and God will work in, in the lives of men and women to bring them and exalt them to what He wants them to be and what He wants them to accomplish. Aren't you thankful? It doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is. All these things don't matter. God is no respecter of persons. And so he included these women in this passage, and he's making a profound statement to mankind. God has purposes for all of us, male and female. And those purposes are greater than anything our culture can try to do to us. Aren't you thankful for that? Let's look at these women for just a moment. Tamar was impacted by a premature death of her family. She was neglected. She was treated unjustly. And all of these things caused her to pretend to be a prostitute. And she saw her father-in-law, she pretended to be a prostitute, slept with him, and became pregnant so she could carry on the line of her, her, her husband. All of those things weren't right. The things that happened to her weren't right. And the things that she did in response weren't right. But God says, I'm not ashamed. To call you family. When you come to me, I'll cleanse you of your sin and I'll welcome you with open arms. Aren't you thankful for that, church? Rahab is another one. She was desperate and she was disapproved of. She was a prostitute, she was running a brothel. But yet, all of these things. That people would say, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And there are people today that they'll stick their nose up at you for one reason or another, thinking you're saying you're not this or you're not that. But God never does that. He says, you're welcome. Just come. Just receive, my son. Aren't you thankful for that, church? Ruth is another one. Ruth was a Gentile. She was an alien. She was without promise. She was in a hopeless situation. All she could do was glean. She was a beggar. She was just gleaning the corners of, a of the field just to survive. And yet God elevates her and places her in the genealogy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? I love that. It, this passage speaks of Bathsheba being exploited by King David. Talk about sexual harassment. She experienced it. If she didn't go along with David, she could have had her life taken. 
She was at David's mercy. And David, we know he's called a man after God's own heart. But he was a miserable failure. Aren't you glad your story is in the Bible being written and read by thousands of people over the centuries? Thank you, Jesus, I'm not in the Bible. But David's there. He's open. Everything, God doesn't hold anything back. David had Bathsheba's husband murdered. He tried to get him drunk and deceive him first. And then he sent him to the front of the line and had him murdered. Then he took Bathsheba. He was doing that to cover up that he had already taken her and forced her to have sexual relationships with him. David was a failure and his story's there, but yet God calls him a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David repented. David repented. He didn't wave his fist at God and, and continue when he was confronted. He repented. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19 is a great verse to remember. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that today? Repentance, church, you don't hear about repentance from the pulpit today. You don't. In church, there's, it's not a dirty word. It's a wonderful opportunity from God. All we have to do is come with a genuine heart. Say, God, I turn from my sin. I, re I repent for my sin. I turn towards you and what you've done for me. And God cleanses us. And he restores us. And like David, we can be a person that God says, they have a heart for me. I love that. Rehoboam is another one mentioned in verse 7. Rehoboam was a brat. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Rehoboam was a brat. He didn't listen to godly counsel, and he tried to prove himself right. How many of us have ever fallen into that trap? Come on. I know there's got to be some brats in here. We don't listen to godly counsel. We think we know better and we try to prove ourselves right. Then we end up in a lot of trouble, right? But God came for people like that. He came for people that make mistakes, people that are brats, people that think they are strong enough to do it on their own. Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our strength is in Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. And Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Church, I want to abide in Jesus. Amen. And I want Him abiding in me. And I want the world to know when they see me, I want them to see that light of Christ. I want them to see my life has been transformed. I'm not the same anymore. And I want them to know that I'm part of God's family. 
I'm thankful for what God has done for me. Manasseh, he's the first king of Judah. He took the throne at 12 years old. He was the longest reigning king. He reigned 55 years as king. But what's sad about Manasseh is that he was one of the worst kings that ever ruled. Now his father Hezekiah was a good king. Hezekiah did away with the the idols. But when Manasseh became king, he reinstated and brought idol worship back into Judah. And in 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse 11, it says this. It says, because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations. He has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him, and has also made Judah sin with his idols. He permitted cultic prostitution in the temple. And he had Isaiah the prophet sawed in two. He was a wicked king. But God's telling us in this passage, it doesn't matter how wicked you become, the power of God's greater. And He came for people who were wicked. And compared to God, church, all of us are wicked. Is that powerful? But I love this fact about Manasseh. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 15, it says, He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Church, Manasseh, as wicked as he was, with, with the temple prostitution and, and cutting the Isaiah the prophet in two and, and, and all, having all the idol worship, as wicked as Manasseh was, he came to his senses and came back to God and he began to reinstate godly worship, and removed all the idols. That's why Jesus came. So that we could come to God. Those in the Old Testament, they never experienced Christmas like we experienced Christmas. They didn't know how the Messiah was come, going to come. But they were looking forward to a promised Messiah. And the Messiah would pay the price so that they could have that relationship with God. Today, we look back that Messiah did come. And we thank God and we receive the work of Jesus on the cross. Amen? That's what Christmas is about. And church, you and I are the people of Christmas. Is it too warm in here? Or am I boring you? I'm getting kind of looks like. 
Church, you are the people of Christmas. You have something to rejoice about. Because God's greater than all your past. He's greater than all your sin. You're not going to come under the condemnation of the enemy. Because the word of God says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're not going to let your past hinder what you're doing in the future. You're going forward. Your past is behind you. God came for people just like you. And he welcomes you into his family. And he cleanses you from all of your sin. All unrighteous. Everybody say all. 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 Don't you love that word? Jesus didn't come to pay for half of your sin and the other half you have to pay for because you can't do it. He came for all of our sin. There were miserable failures in this this genealogy. And it's interesting how many of them were caught up in sexual sin. In church, sexual sin today is prominent in our culture. Our culture is a culture filled with lust. It's filled with pornography. And people get caught up in it. But church, I want you to know, Jesus is greater than all our sin. And Jesus sets us free. Just like that young man that was the head of a gang. He had murdered people. He had raped people. He had done all these horrible things. Just like King Manasseh. Just, because, just like him. He, had, he was a wicked king. God says he's done abominations. But yet he has a, has a heart that turns back to God. So as you go and celebrate Christmas this year... Celebrate the fact that you're one of the people of Christmas. You're one of the people of Christmas. I want the worship team to come and I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if you're here today, and you've never made a commitment to Christ. I want to invite you to do that today. And I'm going to, as the worship team comes and begins to play, I'm just going to ask everyone, if you would today, just to bow your head for a moment. And I want you to, to think about this simple message And I want you to ask yourself, am I one of the people of Christmas? Did Jesus come for me? And have I received Jesus? And if you've never made that commitment, while your head's bowed, I just want you to lift your head 
And I want you to make eye contact with me because the Bible says where any two agree is touching anything on earth, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. So when you lift your head and you make eye contact with me today, you're saying, I want to be one of the people of Christmas. You're saying, I'm bringing all my failures, all my past, all my hurts. I'm bringing them to Jesus today. And I'm giving all of that to Him so that He can cleanse me of it and welcome me with loving and open arms. So while, while they begin to lead us in worship, just lift your head and make contact with me today. If you're not sure, maybe you in the past you made a commitment, but you, you haven't been living for God just want to rededicate your life. Yes, thank you. Thank you, yes. Thank you. If that's you today, just lift your head and make eye contact with me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You're saying, I re rededicate my life or I dedicate my life to the Lord for the first time. Yes, thank you. made eye contact with me today I want you to pray with me right now I want you to, to be sincere between you and God and just agree with me and pray the same thing in your heart Heavenly Father we thank you for giving your only son Lord you gave your only son just for me if I had been the only one Lord, I come with all of my sin, with all of my baggage from the past, all my hurts, all the things in my, my own genealogy, all the past from my parents or grandparents or family. And Lord, I give everything that I am to you, all my failures, all my sin, all my wickedness I give to you today. And Jesus, I turn to you. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. Cleanse me, Lord, from all unrighteousness and begin to elevate me, Lord, to accomplish what you have planned for my life. Don't let anything hinder, Lord, what you desire to do in my life that will bring you glory. And Lord, I just thank you and I praise you that today, Lord, I am establishing the fact that I am one of the people of Christmas because of what Jesus has done for me. I am part of your family and I thank you for it. And in Jesus' mighty name,
thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.